Welcome to the Steadfast Podcast, where we as a community of believers dive deep past the ways of this modern world and its culture into ourselves to find a deeper truth to anchor ourselves to. I'm your host, Brayden Singer, and as always, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Henry Geyer. Good evening. Good evening, everybody. Uh, I hope your week has been going well. It's been uh, pretty crazy for us so far. It's only Tuesday. Uh, feels like it should be the weekend, um, but it is absolutely gorgeous here. Um, it's it's starting to hit like that main stride of spring, and I'm 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 loving it. And I hope that it's good where you are as well. Uh, we're really really excited for our guest tonight. He is a good friend of ours, going back years. Went to high school with him, and uh, he uh, joined the military. Went through uh, buds. And uh, he's currently in uh, the Navy right now, and uh, this is Mr. Gray Calloway. Thanks for coming on the show, man. I am honored to be invited, man. Thank you, guys. Thank you. So, tell us a little bit about yourself and your story and your faith walk and how it has affected the person you have become and are becoming. So, I'm going to start a little bit in a... in uh, Searcy time. So I, I was born and raised in Searcy, Arkansas. Um, I went to school since like kindergarten with Brayden. And we've, we've known each other. We've been decent friends, but we didn't get close till about like senior year. And for me, high school was a roller coaster. I went to Harding Academy um, where it was a Christian school. And they taught me all about how church is centered around everything you do in your life. And they taught me to be mature about it, but I didn't take that. I took it as, hey, let's be as rebellious and let's be as crazy as you can be and be completely different. And that's that. That's how I live my life. Uh, I made a lot of mistakes in high school. Uh, I drank. Um, I did sexual, immoral things. And I did a lot of things that I'm not very proud of. Um, going into the Navy with that... Um, it scared me. It scared me a lot because I knew go, I was going into a place where there were not many believers, and I was very correct about that. Um, I went through the Navy Challenge program and uh, got picked up for SEAL training. Uh, I left for boot camp July 31st, 2019. Um, I went through boot camp. It was pretty easy, uh, slow going, and that's when I started picking up a Bible again. Uh, I started reading it off. I read Joe more than anything because it really resonated with me about how somebody can have hardships and how somebody can have all that happen to them and still say, no, everybody else is wrong. God is the true God, and I will believe and put my faith in him no matter what. Mm. Um, I left I left boot camp, and I went to prep where I uh, decided I'm not going to cuss anymore. Uh, I'm not going to drink anymore, I'm not going to do any of that until I, uh, until I figure out what I actually truly believe in, and I did very well, um, I passed prep, and I went to Bo in Coronado, so I went to Coronado, right, and I get there, and it's just beautiful there, uh, I went to a small church there, where I got really close to my friend Tucker, who's also in SEAL training with me. He's an amazing dude, and we both grew closer to Christ. I then passed Bo, and I went to phase, and I thought I was hot stuff. My ego was high. Um, I thought nothing can stop me now. I'm doing what I always truly believed that I was called to do. 
And when I got there, I went way over my head, and I was broken down mentally. Um, the things we did really wasn't that hard now that I think about it, but I just wasn't ready for it. I was too young. Uh, I was thinking too much into it, and I thought God was telling me not to do it. So I quit. I rang the bell. Um, I went into what they call SAP, which is uh, what they hold you in after you quit. And I got real depressed, real down on myself. Um, I was talking to my friends. I couldn't smile. I wasn't happy. I wasn't myself. Uh, Y'all probably remember me in high school. I was always happy. I was always Mm -hmm. kind. I was always laughing. But during this time, I was never happy. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I refused to go to church. Uh, And I was struggling. I was struggling really bad. Um, They gave me a rate sheet where I picked my top three rates, and they decided that you're going to go IT up in Connecticut. And I was like, where is Connecticut? I have no idea where that is. And I go up north uh, to a place I never expected to be. And I came here to Connecticut, and I love what I do now. And I decided while I'm here that I'm definitely going to go back and try once again in two years if they allow me to. And I decided that is what God wanted me to do. I just wasn't ready for it. Mm -hmm. I needed time. I needed that mindset. I needed that humbling experience to tell me, hey, like, relax. You're doing this for me. You're not doing this for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a little bit about me. Mm. That's really, really powerful. And I I really like what you said about needing that humbling experience. Um, I think oftentimes... Um, I'm sorry that, you know, that you had to go through that. Um, but I think oftentimes like God uses those opportunities of showing us that our own strength isn't enough to strengthen us for the second time around and specifically pointing us in his direction and saying, I'm the strength that you need. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And like, he needs to do that with a lot, a lot of people and a lot of people don't handle it well. And like, when that comes down to it, you just got to find somebody that you're close to, that you can talk to, to know that that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to turn you around. He's not trying to break you down kind of thing. Hmm. Thank you so much for uh, opening up about um, your struggles in the past uh, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I think that that's a really difficult thing to do, and I think that it's just incredibly important um, because none of us are perfect, and none of us, none of us have everything together. And I think that the beauty of, of Jesus and, and what he offers us is that, you know, he is good enough when we're not. And that forgiveness for every mistake that we've ever made and that second chance of becoming the person that he wants us to be, that we can still be that influence despite our shortcomings, the list of mistakes in our past and stuff like that. Like he can still use us and he's used you in a fantastic way. And I know he's going to continue to use you in amazing ways. And uh, so I'm really encouraged by that. Thank you. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. So question number two, if you could sum up your life in one word, what would it be? And why does that word resonate with you? So I was actually uh, talking to my dad about this, and uh, I decided on uh, resiliency. Um, It sounds very, like, egotistical when I say it, but I'm not trying to mean it that way. Uh, 
it's more of like I felt like the devil was using was using me thinking I was I was Jesus's child, Jesus kid, and the love of God to try to use it against me. When my dad went to prison, when uh, when I joined the Navy, when I made it to Buds, made it all the way there, and quit. When I got picked for jobs, and I didn't know what to do, and um, I I seemed to always blame it on God and blaming God. Why would you love me and then put me in this situation? Mm-hmm. where I, I can't show you. I can't do anything for you because I don't know how to do it. And so Satan was using that little mindset of mine to just keep retracting me, retracting me, retracting me. And the resilience of part of it is to be humble enough to say, hey, can't do it on my own. Please help me. Mm. And that pushes you forward. And so your resilience seems to break through that little cycle in your head that tells you you're not good enough, tells you you're not, you're not strong enough, and you're not ready for this. It's, it's God telling you you are strong enough. Now show Do it. Mm-hmm. Show me. Show how powerful I am. You have it in you. Just go for it. Try to think. Mm, that's a really, really great uh, picture that you that you painted there. I love... That imagery, it makes me think of the phrase uh, resiliency by surrender, I guess. Because it's not that we're resilient in ourselves, it's that we surrender ourselves to a greater power, a strong, a stronger purpose, I guess, than our own individual self. What do you think? Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, they talked a lot about that fellowship at the Bible Church over there in Arkansas. They talked about a lot about surrendering and the strongest position that you can be for God is on your knees asking for help. Mm -hmm. And that, that is, that is a big thing in my heart that I agree with completely. Mm. That's really, really great. And, um, also I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit more, uh, with the struggles of, uh, the question why, um, it seems to be kind of a recurring theme uh, on here. I know in my uh, past, I've really struggled with asking God why a lot. Um, and, you know, and it's one of those very difficult things to surrender to. Uh, you mentioned that mindset of everything that happens, sometimes we, we kind of pin on God. And we don't, we don't really acknowledge that there could be other things at play, but we just simply ask God, like, why is this happening to me? I don't understand and that type of thing. How do you, um, how do you kind of put that together with, with your faith and how did you work through uh, the, the problems of why? So for me, um, the biggest question why was really when I got got over to California. When it, when it came to my dad, it was never really why. I saw what my dad did and I saw um, the struggles he was going through and I was just a part of that. I was just his kid, so it was harder on him than it was on me. When it came to me making my own decisions in high school, I never really wondered why I made those, and I saw me making those. What really hit me with why is when I made it all the way to Coronado, and I felt I had the strength to make it through, and then I just couldn't do it, and I didn't understand why. And that's what really broke me down. That's what made me sad and lonely and depressed and not knowing what to do with my life is because I made it to the mountaintop. I made it 
so close and just not not close enough. Mm-hmm. And so it really it took it took me coming here and seeing the life I have here. I'm doing very well. I got promoted. I uh, I talk to my friends and I get to talk about Jesus to more people mm-hmm. who don't really understand it and don't really get it and ask more questions to me. A Christian who they're not used to, they're not used to the Christian that's going to listen to them and try to help them out. Um, and so it took me getting to that point to be like asking him, like, why did you do that? Like, why, why did you make me come here and not somewhere else where at least I can follow my dream and do the same thing for you? Why? And it, it broke me down a little bit. And I, I remember I was in my room right after an inspection here and I was in my uniform and I hate being in my uniform um, and I'm just crying and I'm like I can't go home I can't leave the base for church because of corona I can't do anything and I don't understand it I don't get it and I was, I was begging him to please tell me, help me understand. And I was like, why'd you do this? Why, why, why did you put me in this situation? I don't understand. And it came to the conclusion later on that it's not my job to understand. Mm-hmm. It's, not my, it's not my job to, to know why I'm here. It's my job to make the most of it and show him mm-hmm. uh, and his good heart even though all this has happened to me, that I'm still going to be happy, I'm still going to be loving, I'm still going to be kind, I'm still going to show his faith throughout everybody, even though everybody is expecting me to be cynical and angry and mad. Mm-hmm. So, when it comes down to the why, like it doesn't, it doesn't matter when it all comes down to it. It doesn't matter why. It, it's, you're in the situation, so lean on him and he'll push you through. There's no reason to even think about why. Mm. So something we're we're doing a series right now on our on our second podcast called uh, on the book Wild at Heart, and um, we're we're talking about my favorite my favorite sentence in that book is is God will tear down the false self to bring you back to Him. Do you yeah. feel Do you feel that was happening? Yeah, I felt I felt that happen okay. a couple times, and I still do feel like that's happening. Like I'm not perfect. I'm not like a leader by any means yet. I I feel I'm tearing me down to build me up to somebody that is humble and somebody that has his heart, compared to somebody I used to be, where I always was a good speaker and I was always that happy guy that people could come up and talk to and stuff like that. When it comes down to it, yeah, I was that guy, but all the stuff that I was saying was bullcrap because mm-hmm. I was a preacher on a Sunday and then I was a partier, stupid kid on a Monday. And so he took that and he said, all right, you're going to be fake for me. I'm going to make sure that you're either going to be honest with what you say or you are going to be broken down and not knowing who you actually are. 
that took joining the Navy and getting the discipline that the Navy brings to me to figure out that, like, actions speak louder than words. Mm-hmm. Doing things shows more than words. A lot of people here say a bunch of crap that doesn't make sense with who they are. And he showed me that to show me, this is you right now. Do you want to be that person? No, then change. Mm-hmm. That's, so. a, that's a really, really powerful message and a really strong message. And I think it speaks to just about everybody everybody here. And I think it, would, I think it speaks to everybody who's listening as well. Because every one of us, no matter how put together we may think we are we all have one aspect in our life at least that we look at and we're just like yeah i don't like this i don't like this part of me and i know that there's a greater calling for my life and that's not a part of it so for you um having that humbling experience and and being broken down to that level to be built back up um it sounds like an extremely painful situation and and an extremely painful process but at the same time it's such a wonderful process because you start realizing who you really are and who you're meant to be. And, and I just think that, you know, for people who are searching for that, that meaning of who they really are deep down and who they, who they, who God wants them to be, what would you say the first step of realizing that would be? Uh, for me, it was, it was, it was talking to my family for me, it was saying, like, do y'all think I'm the man that God wants me to be? It's 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 saying, what am I, what am I doing that counteracts what I'm saying? And I, I prayed about it, and I, I talked to my friends about it because my friends here, not all of them are Christian, and when it comes down to it, yeah, they're not Christian, but they know me as good as anybody else and me saying hey what do you think of me and them saying a Christian man means a a lot more than me than if they looked at me and they said you say all this stuff about faith and loving God but you do all this wrong things like if they a couple of them said that and it hurt and that's where it starts you got to hear what's truly there before you can actually start the process of breaking yourself down and saying, hey, I'm in the wrong here. Mm -hmm. Your ego won't let you. Mm -hmm. We were talking a little bit earlier about ego, and I I just, I hate that word. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Because the the ego and the pride is a real thing. Mostly like guys in general. We have something to prove, and we don't like telling people that mm. we're wrong. Mm. But that's the first step: is to saying you're wrong. It's to saying, "I don't know what I'm doing. I need help." Mm. And so, yeah, I would I would say the first first step is admitting it and trying to talk to somebody. Mm. That's a really really great point, and you know I was having this thought earlier today, of you know. You know, we're not good enough. We're not supposed to be good enough. We're never going to be good enough. We can't be never strong enough. Us to be good enough. Yeah, they all. never exactly, exactly. We're never asked to be good enough. You know, we can't 
be strong enough. We can't be brave enough. We can't be selfless enough. We can't be perfect. In essence, we can't be God because there's only yeah. one God. And he's made us in, an, in a way that, yeah, we're broken, but we're beautifully broken because our brokenness reflects the greatness of a creator who's greater than us. And, by, and in our brokenness, we can turn to him, the ultimate healer and the fixer of who we are and who we're supposed to be. And we can be remolded into the work of art that he initially designed us to be. And then he's the one who actually makes us work, you know? And so I think of, you know, personally in my own life, there have been, especially in this last year, there have been a lot of times where I've had to look at myself and be like, am I who I want to be? And a lot of times the answer was no. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm really, really touched and I'm really encouraged by uh, your, your talking about that as well because it makes me realize that this is just, you know, it's one of those integral parts of becoming the man of God or the woman of God that we're designed to be. And, um, and just that first step of saying, I'm wrong, I know I'm wrong, and I'm not going to fight it anymore. It's so difficult to do. <laughs> it's really difficult to get to that point where you can just say, you know, I'm wrong, and I accept it. And that's that's the best part. Best, the best part is that, like, you, people get down because they, they do that, and they fix themselves up, and then they fall down again. Mm. The best part is that it doesn't, it doesn't stop. It doesn't, it doesn't until you're there, until you're in heaven. Mm. You can never be the man that you want to be, because the man you want to be is Jesus. That's exactly mm. right. Amen. That's exactly right. And you know, it's always that process of two steps forward, one step back. Yeah. You know, and yes. and the the greatest thing that we can do is hold on to that hope and hold on to that strength that's found in Jesus and, and in that faith in God. And we mentioned earlier letting go of the why so that we can hold on to the right now. Um, we can live in the moment of, you know, God, maybe I don't understand why I'm here, but I trust that you have a path for me. And that path is going to create me into the person that you want me to be. And that person that you designed to be an influence in the world for you and to bring others to you and so that they can find the person that they were meant to be as well. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. That, that, was a, that was a big thing when it came to uh, over there in, in California. Is You saw a bunch of guys, D1 athletes, amazing dudes. Who just who just thought of themselves as the greatest thing in the world, and then they they would be the first ones to quit. You would you would do log PT, you would do boat boats on heads, and you'd be running and running and running, and you'd see these this dude who played football at Ohio State, and you're like, holy cow, that dude's the man, and then he he would be hanging on to the boat, making it harder on his teammates. And he would fall, and he would quit, and it's because he didn't humble himself enough to say, hey, I need y'all to help me. I need help. Mm. I need you to have my back. And I realized that was me with my spiritual life. So I'm trying to do it all on my own, and I'm trying to live this broken world on my own, Mm. and I can't do it can't do it. Not on my own. Yeah. That's so true. And you know, that speaks to the need for the church. And I'm not talking about like big organized uh, 
head of, you know, stuff like that or like going to, to worship in a place, although that is part of it. But what I mean is the community of believers and, and the true love that is shared for believers and being able to say in a real honest conversation without fear of judgment or, or being ostracized or stuff like that of saying, I'm a sinner and I need grace and I need your help because this is what I'm struggling with. You know, and I think that that's, that's the intention of the church is to be able to, to reach out and not even just to, uh, not even just to people who believe, but being able to reach out into people that don't believe. And they can come in and say, like, I'm struggling with this. And the church being able to say, you know what? We're imperfect too. We're broken people too. But Jesus is, he's the solution. He's the antidote to the problems that we face. Whether it's the, whether it's the sin or the negative thoughts and feelings, emotions, whether it's the questions that we can't answer on our own, just that faith to hold on to. And yeah. I think that, that, that binding us together, that faith, it gives us that community to where we can hold on to each other and, and bear each other's burdens. Yeah. Like Jesus, Jesus always said, he came, he came for the sick, not, not the healthy. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's hard to see or hear because I'm, I'm around non-Christians all the time. And I ask them, hey, why, why do you think this way? Why do you, because every time I talk about it, you seem to get angry. Why are you angry? Like, what, what happened? And they're always like, well, this church saw this girl get pregnant and kicked her out. And I can't be a part of that. Or this church, my brother is homosexual, and this church won't let him even come pray. And I'm like, that's, that's wrong. It's wrong. Mm. Like, there's a difference between ex- accepting them and accepting what they're doing. You love the sinner. You hate the sin. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And I think that, you know, I think that's a really, really unpopular opinion in the churches, especially the churches of Christ, is that, you know, you know, we're supposed to love the sinner. You know, we're supposed to love because we're all sinners. You know, if we, at, this is just something interesting that I heard the other day. If we are, we, if we didn't allow people who struggle with homosexuality into our churches, where, we, where do we draw that line? Are you going to allow people who struggle with sexual immorality in? Are you going to let, not let people who struggle with greed in? People who struggle with negative thoughts and emotions about themselves? Stuff like that. Because eventually you get to the point where nobody would be able to walk in there. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, you know, and I'm not saying that we support the sin or anything like that. By no means, you know, there's Jesus, you know, Jesus is clearly marked out. This is okay. And this is not okay. And we firmly believe that wholeheartedly. But at the same time, the way that we bring about the change that Jesus brings about in the world is not by throwing stones at people who we don't understand, but by bringing them in and explaining to them this pain that you're feeling right now, that you think you are feeling with this, you're feeling the void with this particular thing, that's not going to satisfy you because it's not the real sustenance. It's not the real antidote and it's not the real healing because only God, only Jesus can be that healing. And the only way that we can present that information is in love. I I completely agree. And like when it comes down to it, you you said it again, we're, we're all sinners. Like people lie every day, people lust every day, and you know that pain, you know how that feels, so you can resonate with those people, maybe not on the same level, but you could always sit down with those people and say, hey, 
I know that you think and you feel disgusting. And it's not necessarily about the sin that you're doing, but you just don't like yourself. I have felt that. Mm-hmm. I know what you're feeling, and the only thing to help is being loved by people and being loved by God who truly and utterly cares about you. Mm-hmm. And accepting that love and faith. It's just, it's just a big thing. Like I try to tell a bunch of my friends here that, like, when it comes down to it, like, you always, always show love to people over hate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really true, and I, I just kind of want to iterate that this is not an attack on the church in any sort of way. Uh, we, you know, we all associate with. Uh, with the church and we're Christians we believe wholeheartedly in that type of thing we're just saying that this is an important issue especially in our society today Mm -hmm. that I think we as a church and as as a community of believers alienate a lot of people that might that are interested because they see the way that we handle this sort of thing and it's not right and it's just not right we need to be we again not accepting the sin we don't agree with the sin. We don't condone it. We can we condemn the sin, but we love the person who's caught up in the sin because they're just the same as us. You know, yeah. we have all come from sin, and we've all we've all been set free by Jesus. That is the only difference between us and them. You know, is that we know Jesus. That's yeah. our difference. And so, in order for us to make that difference for them, we have to go out and engage them. We need to talk to them. We need to have real conversations and. And, you know, and show the love of Jesus. Jesus who, by the way, went out of his way to talk to the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. And went out of his way to talk to people who were thrown out of society because of their sin. You know? That's the yeah. whole... That, that was the entire message of Jesus. Is go out and show love to the people that are ostracized by society. And that are hated because of their shortcomings. Because God yeah. is greater than our circumstance. And he offers forgiveness... For everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're not we're not trying to attack the church by any means, but you you got to know when there's when there's shortcomings because you're supposed to be a family, mm-hmm. and you need to let everybody into the family or it doesn't work. That's not what God intended for us to. He intended us for us to be separate, but to bring people in, mm-hmm. not be completely separate where we don't talk to anyone. Hmm. That's exactly right. So this next question, um, tell us what spiritual leadership means to you. So, uh, going along with what I said earlier, uh, spiritual leadership for me is, well, I just had a voice crack, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Uh, Spiritual leadership for me is a believer who can talk in the aspect where a non-believer can actually understand where they're coming from. Hmm. It's for somebody that somebody who doesn't know Christ can come in and talk to them and actually be friends with them without feeling judged or hated or unliked. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more of a person to follow in the footsteps for people who don't believe rather than people who follow the footsteps that are already true believers. Mm. that's a really really great perspective and that's I think that that's something that we haven't really talked about a whole lot here is spiritual leadership for the people that don't really know yet or don't know Jesus you know 
And I think that, you know, personally, that's a charge to each and every one of us because it's one thing to, to, you know, to understand a need and it's another one to fill that. And I know personally for me, that's a really difficult one for me to do too, because it's not that I, um, it's not that I'm ashamed of my faith. It's not that I'm, you know, afraid to, to talk about Jesus, but at the same time, I'm, you know, I, I have that acute awareness of like, am I going to alienate this person from them if I come at him from this angle? And so how, how do you, uh, how in your life have you kind of gone into that? What are some strategies that you've used to, to kind of uh, facilitate that into your daily life? I mean, it's, I wouldn't say it's really strategies. It's just talking with people. Like, a lot of my friends here don't, don't believe it that way. And it's for good reasons. Like, if half the stuff that happened to me happened to them, um, I'm, not, I'm not positive that I would be. I am now. And so if that stuff happened to me, I can lean on something. But if you go through life seeing the church as this big and bad thing, it's always going to attack you when you're down, then no, you're not going to be a believer because mm. what's it going to help you? What's, what's, who's going to help you with that? And so for me, it's talking to my friends here and every once in a while when they ask a question, it lights a little spark in me. My friend, uh, Andrew always like, thinks it's hilarious when I get like super emotional and super hyper and super it looks like I'm angry, but I'm not. I'm just emotional about my faith and talking about it. And it's just having those little conversations here and there where they ask they ask certain questions that you want them to ask, and all you can do is, is talk about what you want to talk about. And if they start believing it, they start believing it. If they don't, you try your best. Mm-hmm. You try to help your friend. And... That's all you can really do. Hmm. Um, so what what would you say about if so, someone who's looking into doing spiritual leadership, like being that example, but they're just they're scared to take that first step? Uh joking military, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't do that. Military is interesting. Uh <laughs> I would say go out of your way and actually actually talk to people that people don't want to talk to. Mm-hmm. That's not saying people here are not people that I want to talk to. People here are amazing. But I'm saying like I know Cersei and I know I know there are guys out there, girls out there who we as Christians look down upon. I know those people. I was friends with some of those people. Mm-hmm. Go and find those people out. They're they're wondering. They have questions in their head. Just just get close to them so that they can ask. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That's a, I really, really appreciate you saying that and just mm. intentionality of just being a friend to someone, being someone that they can trust and just actually genuinely caring about people. Cause I think another thing that, that we can struggle with sometimes too, is just kind of throwing a message out there and not really having like care for the individual person, you know? And I think that it's important, don't get me wrong, it's important to, to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus, but the gospel of Je- Jesus is not just an overarching thing, it's also an individual thing too. And each person has their own spiritual journey, and so I think that it's incredibly important to both spread the seed in a, in a, in a wide-ranging sort of way, but also go in and, and talk to people and have that, that one-on-one 
just strong trust in each other so that you can have those difficult conversations. Yeah. Like, when it, when it comes down to it, the walk with Christ is their own thing. Mm. You can always point them in the right direction, but that doesn't mean that they're going to walk that way. Mm. All you can really do is go, be a friend, and then be like, you're different. You're the different kind of guy that most of the other Christians. You are a different person. And, and run with that. And mm. be their friend overall, no matter what they do. Yeah, I tell them that sometimes it's wrong. And that they're, usually, they're probably going to get mad at you. That's okay. Mm. But you got to be that friend first because overall, humanity as a whole is brothers and sisters. And you mm. want them all to go to heaven. So be that brother or be that sister. Be that loved one that they can lead on when anything goes south. Mm. That's really, really true. And I think of kind of like the you know, the history of the church and now like there's a lot of negative connotation with the history of the church as well. But also if you look at <laughs> if you look at also the positive side too, like all throughout history it wasn't the government that was taking care of the poor. It was the churches. And you look at, it wasn't the government that was making sure that people were, you know, congregating together and having community. No, that was the church. And yeah, there was, there was, it's a different time and place, I know. And it's not, it wasn't perfect and it wasn't um, correct design and all that. But at the same time, I think that here in the modern day, we've kind of lost that idea of the church being the caretaker of the world and, and specifically giving that altruistic love that is shown by God for no other reason than, oh, we're all human beings and we're all creations of God and we each need that encouragement, that help in any way that we can. What do you think yeah. about that? Uh, no, I, I completely agree. And like, when it, yeah, I, I don't know what to add. I, I completely agree. I think, just, just, go ahead. I think, you know, my, again, wait, I've talked about this on here before, but my, my favorite story is Jesus and the woman at the well. Mm. And like how he, and like, we, we talk about like how he breaks all the boundaries. Yeah. Just that, just that meeting with her. And I think, and like, we, we've talked about on many episodes and it's just like, that's Jesus right there. Mm. That he yeah. will go and talk to that person that nobody wanted to talk to because of her past. Yeah, no, I I agree. And, like, I wish it was more prevalent, mostly in, like, Cersei's place. Because when I, was, when I was doing all my stuff, when I was I was doing everything that I was supposed to do in high school, I, need, I probably just needed one kid to sit down with me and say, Yo, mm-hmm. I'm your friend. You love me. You care about me. I'm telling you this is wrong. And I, would, I, I wouldn't have stopped right there. I probably would have been angry with him. But it would have resonated a lot more with me than the people just looking at me and being like, that kid's a bad kid. Don't talk to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was that woman at the well, and I needed that person to be Jesus. And I found it in my own way. And a lot of my friends would do that now. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt, I believe that. But back then, I needed that, and I didn't get it, and I want to be that person that helps out now. Oh, for sure. Mm. 
And just kind of connecting that back to like that original question, I think that that's exactly, you know, that's it. That's what spiritual leadership is, is a genuine care and love for other people that eventually leads to spiritual growth and spiritual life by their asking and their curiosity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is the most important trait a Christian can have? So I was, I was actually asking a ton of people about this today. My, my two roommates asked about uh, my one of my friends from Arkansas, Fayetteville, Ashton. I was asking her about this. And most of them said what I was thinking. And we talked a little bit about this. It's, it's really, it's open-mindedness. It's transparency. It's deciding to show wrongdoings you've done and how you came back from that that and taking in people who have done either those same wrongdoings or or much worse or even people who don't really understand what they're doing that is wrong and and still accepting them into your life mm-hmm. yes yeah, so that's I would re- say open-mindedness is probably the best Thing. And I know a lot of people like are scared of that word because it's very yeah term. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for for me, it's we don't need to shun the sinners. We need to yeah. bring them in. We need to love mm-hmm. them. So that's the best way to do it is to not accept, not say, "Hey, whatever you're doing, it's all good, whatever." Mm-hmm. Telling mm-hmm. them that it's wrong and saying, "I'm going to love you anyway." It's, it's, it's and I want to help you. Mm-hmm. I want to help you. I want to help sh- help show you the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that that's, you know, that's a really important concept that we just kind of brush aside. I think. I think that a lot of times, and again, this is this isn't just like in general of like all Christians. You know, this is something that each one of us struggle with individually, not just in a religious sense, but in a personal sense. I think each one of us struggles with being closed-minded to what we're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a lot of times whenever we see things that we don't necessarily agree with or that make us feel uncomfortable, we just kind of decide to avoid them or we decide to pretend like they don't exist. And I think that you know, the thing that's so revolutionary about Jesus and a faith in Jesus is that we can go to those people that we don't agree with and we can go to those people that make us feel uncomfortable or, or do the things that we don't agree with mm-hmm. and we can still say, you know what? Yeah, I disagree with the way that you're living your life. I disagree with a lot of things that you think and you feel but I know that you have intrinsic value just for no other reason than that you're a creation of God and that His His design is in you and I want to be able to share the fullness, the full truth with you but I acknowledge right now that, you know, you don't understand that right now. But if that, that doesn't mean that I cut you off. It doesn't mean that I, you know, that I treat you differently or I refuse to be around you because you disagree with me because that's what the world does. You know, look yeah. at the world. Like, you, they, they feel uncomfortable about something. They see something that makes them uh, kind of go queasy and they cut them off. They ostracize them. They pretend like they don't exist. Whereas Jesus, he goes in and he says, no, 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 you do exist. But you're existing in a way that isn't correct. Yeah. Let me help you and let me let me heal your wounds and heal the the judgment that you feel from other people and give you a new start, a new place in life. 
and a new identity that you can latch on to. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so we, we were talking about this on our episode with uh, Parker, talking mm-hmm. about just going to sit with that. Here's an example. Like he said, go sit with that kid in school mm-hmm. at lunch that nobody wants to sit by. Go and sit with him and talk to him and see what's going on. Reach a hand out to him. Yeah. Mm. You know. And just taking that step, mm-hmm. you know, taking that that leap forward, you know. And it's not, it isn't glamorous. It yeah. isn't always like this big, like preaching to masses or just like, oh, like talk to someone and they immediately want to get baptized. No, it's the, oh, hey, is anybody sitting with you? You know, what's mm-hmm. your name? How are you doing? Where are you from? Tell me about you. Like those kind of conversations that just build into friendships. They build into relationships and you can understand people for who they are. And you can appreciate, you know, the story that God's writing in their lives, even if they aren't believers yet. Yeah. You know, I believe you can see the beauty of God in everyone. And in order for, in order for us to really be that influence that we need to be in the name of God, we need to be able to recognize that they also have that that spark within them. They have the ability to to know God, and they have that um, they have that innate design to need God as well. Yeah, and and it's it's always it's just the one step. The hey, come just come to lunch with me, mm-hmm. or hey, just hang with me, play this video game with me. Anything small like that can always lead to an open gateway to a really good friendship. And a friendship is always bound by respect. And they'll listen you out. Hmm. Yeah. Even if they don't agree with you, they will listen to you. And and that's all you really want to ask for from somebody is just to listen to them. And to hear their perspective and for them to hear yours. Hmm. And then you both come out better for it. I know we've all been in that situation, whether it be in high school, whether it be now, no matter what we're dealing with, it could be a number of things where we've wanted somebody to just reach down and help us. We mm-hmm. wanted somebody to come talk to us and point us to Jesus and help us get back on track. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, you can, I can look back in my own life personally, like you're saying, and like there are moments whenever I needed someone to say hey how are you doing or where are you at right now and stuff like that and sometimes people came sometimes they didn't Mm -hmm. you know i think that that as christians sorry go ahead uh, um i completely agree it's uh it's that little it's that little phone call randomly when you haven't heard from people and i'm just saying hey like what are you doing tomorrow what what how are you feeling? How is your life? Mm. And that person being like, hey, like, I don't need the cookie cutter. Hey, I'm fine. Answer. Mm-hmm. I, I want to know what's going on. Mm. I know how I can help. So, so yeah. Hardy Academy is a great place for that. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't realize it until I left, but the coaches and the uh, teachers there, honestly, honestly care about you mm-hmm. mm. and they they try to be that person and we kind of just brush it off like it's nothing but like right. y'all had coach evans on your show there's multiple times when i was going through the stuff with my dad where him and coach smith walked over to me and said hey how are you doing mm-hmm. 
what's happening? Can we help? Yeah. And it's and it's something. I mean, it it's just something that small. Like, hey, how are you doing? That could just really change someone's day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oh, I know, yeah. and I know, if people listen, they'll be like, "Oh, what are you talking about?" I'm I'm being serious because I've been in that situation too, where I've just needed someone to just come talk to me, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's a really powerful thing. Yeah. And I think, like, you know, even going back to, like, the beginning of this podcast, like, that's part of the reason why we started this podcast is mm-hmm. because, you know, we were both in a point in our lives where we needed someone to say something, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then God specifically, at least from my perspective, God specifically spoke through you, Braden, and he, he said, like, you know, you, you came up and he said, I don't really like the direction that life is going right now. I think I'm going to take some time to basically readjust my life and mm-hmm. to get my priorities straight. And yeah. that was the exact moment that I needed to hear, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And so, like, that's that's like the whole mission, you know. It's, it's just being that conversation, being that real person. And it's not, you know, it's not just a podcast or anything like yeah. that. It's not about that. It's about the real conversations that we can have with people, you know? Yeah. That's awesome, dude. That's so cool. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, That's so, cool. so, this is the last question, but um, what is the biggest lesson you've learned from being a young adult? Uh, this question is probably the one that I struggled with the most. It's, uh, it's probably, it's, it's asking for help. Um, when I went home for Christmas right before phase started, because I got I got two weeks off, and I got to go home. Uh, load of people wanted to talk to me and see how I was doing. One of them being Coach Smith. He texted me, "Hey, come over and talk to me for a little bit, whatever you want." And I I didn't do that. And man, man, my life would be very different if I had. I don't, I don't know if I would have made it, but I would have had, I would have had more of my own mind going into it than I did. And like my mom told me the night before I quit, she said that whole night she had texted me and called me because she felt like something was off. She, that whole night she was like, hey, just call me, just talk to me. If it's just a little bit, just talk to me. I just didn't do it because I was too... Again, that word that I hate, I was, my ego was too big. I didn't need anybody's help. I had it. It was mine. It was mine. for taking. But when it comes down to it, people, people need to ask for help. People need that person to talk to. And the biggest lesson that I've learned so far in my 21 years of life, which is not very long, uh, is, is ask for help mostly when you're young. That's going to shape you to be the person to help other people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, That's really powerful, and it, again, it speaks to the need of every single one of us. We need both to be that person who offers help, and also to listen whenever you know that option for help is there, and and just kind of set aside our pride, set aside our our observed mission what we think that we're supposed to do in order just to say no like I gotta be honest like I'm not ready for this or I need help with this yeah your story really resonates with me because that's how I was last year 
with the whole firefighting dealio, I just became really, really egotistical. (laughs) You became really egotistical because I was making such good progress that I put firefighting number one and God second. And I hate, I just hate to say that, but that's what happened. And I put that as my false self and I put that as just, and then God came through and just took that false self down. Yeah. You know, I just, I just thought I had, like you said, I thought I had it. I thought I had it. It was mine for the taking. And then he just came and just tore that false self down. Mm -hmm. He says, dry your top. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And I think like God puts us in positions where we need help to remind us that we're not strong enough. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think of like any time in my life where I start going down a path that I'm not supposed to go down, he puts me in a situation where I need help. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me, oh, yeah, that's right. I don't know everything I'm supposed to be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're not, we're not kings down here. We're servants. That's right. Exactly. That's exactly Exactly. right. Well, yeah. Do you have anything else to say? Uh, I want to talk to the listeners real quick. If y'all ever do need that help, all three of us are very accessible. All three have social media. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talk, talk to somebody, man. I know you don't know me. I know it's a random guy, but let, talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. That person can help you out a lot. Yeah. That's true. And, you know, whether it's somebody that you have in your own life personally that you know well and, and can be that light to you or whether you need someone like uh, like our uh, our Facebook page, Instagram page is always open. You can DM us anytime and we will respond to you. Uh, we want to help. Uh, I, again, we know that you may not know us and that's okay. We want to know you and we want to care for you and we want to be able to, to offer help in any way. And again, we don't have all the answers we're not going to pretend to have all the answers because we're we're still growing in, in our faiths and, and we're still growing in, in our walk with God. But what we can do is we can help in, in just caring for you and listening to you. If you need anything, just let us know. We're always Our, our uh, DMs are always open, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Well, thank you very much, Grayson, for being on here. It's an absolute honor. It is. Mm-hmm. I was honored for the Anyways, this has been the Steadfast Podcast. We will see you next week. Out.